Welcome to the Leo Roundtable Law Enforcement Talk Show. My name is Chip the Block, and I'm your host. We're a group of law enforcement professionals that talk about today's news and issues, but we do it from a law enforcement perspective. I'm going to go ahead and introduce the crew to you guys. If you don't mind waiting for the video portion of our show, we have Corporal David D. Gresta from somewhere in the Tampa Bay area. Also, Andrea Casal, Wesley Chapel, Lutz area. I know your family's all over the place up there, and I heard your family is actually watching the live show today. So congratulations. Lucky us. So thanks, guys. Also, a shout out to our sponsors. We have Motion DSP, Gauls, GlobalOrdinance.com. More information about them coming up. Gunlearn.com on Medicare.live. And we're fueled by Bang Energy. Now, I usually have a bang on my desk. I got an early start this morning. Yeah, so I don't. I, I went through that bang like hours ago, and I needed it. So, yeah, but I'm back from Kissimmee. Uh, shout out to Brian Burns for the free press. Thanks for carrying our content. And huge shout out, Ray Dietrich, Red Voice Media at RedVoiceMedia.com. We're streaming the eight locations and no YouTube is not one of them, but three of those belong to Red Voice Media, and those three Facebook pages have about one million followers. So thanks, Ray Dietrich and Red Voice Media for helping make that thing happen. Now, there was something that I wanted to talk to you guys about. There was something at the beginning of the show I wanted to do. I'm trying to remember what it is. Andrew's moving around. That hat is gleaming at me. Yes, USA, 4th of July. That's right, 4th of July. Happy 4th of July, guys. Look, we take a lot of this stuff for granted. Um, I, I do, too. Uh, but look, a lot of people went through a lot of sacrifices, especially our, you know, our military and just, I'm so appreciative to live in a country that we do and have the benefits and things that we just take for granted every day. It's just a pretty, it's just pretty cool. What we, what we, what we have here. And I know Andrea's uh, family uh, came from Cuba and I know they're very appreciative over, over what we have here in the state. So, um, so happy 4th of July. Hope everybody's having a wonderful 4th of July holiday. Uh, so that said, We've got some interesting topics coming up. And look, this very first one, it's a main topic, a little deeper. And uh, it's policeone.com. So as permitless carry becomes law in Florida, where we're actually all at today, law enforcement agencies urge training. Uh, I could not agree with that more, although I doubt that a lot of people are going to do that. So this is actually from Tampa Bay area, which is where I'm at. So with the new Florida law allowing people to carry concealed firearms without a permit taking effect this past weekend, Tampa Bay law enforcement agencies are educating their personnel and the public about what's changed and what has not. Now, gun owners will no longer be required to apply and pay for a concealed carry permit. They can do it, but they're not required to. The new law ends a training requirement to get a permit, which was among the most debated aspects of HB 543. And uh, so HB, that's the bill that ended up passing, became law. So Pinellas County Sheriff uh, Bob Gilterry and others stressed that many mandates and prohibitions uh, governing who can and who cannot carry a gun and where guns are allowed, that they're actually still in place. So they say that people who misunderstand or are misinformed about the law, they could actually wind up facing criminal charges. Officials urge gun owners to take training classes because even though um, even though they're no longer required to get the permit, uh, quality training classes focus not just on how to safely operate a gun and the store a firearm, but actually it just explains to you how gun owners can avoid running afoul of the law. So what's new and what's not? You know, good Terry's not the only sheriff weighing in on this. We have others, including uh, Chad Cronister with Hillsborough County and some other guys. So Sheriff Gutierrez, he partnered with other Pinellas law enforcement officials to make a 75-second public service video and an informational video titled a permitless carry myth versus fact, which is kind of cool. So there's a lot of misinformation about the new permitless carry in Florida. Gautieri is saying on the video, the open carry of guns in Florida, it's still illegal in most cases. Exceptions are for people who are, and it's always been this way in Florida for as long as I can remember. If you're hunting, fishing, or camping, or you're, you're traveling to and fro, you can carry. 
as long as you're not prohibited. The law also does not change who can carry a firearm, the waiting period to purchase one, or where they can legally be carried. So none of that has changed whatsoever. So for example, you still have to be 21 years old and a U.S. citizen without a felony conviction, among other criteria. You cannot bring a gun into places such as schools, colleges, universities, courthouses, government buildings, and bars. The punishment for carrying a gun in violation of the law is still a third-degree felony. So pay attention. People who carry a concealed firearm with or without a state permit must also carry a valid ID, and it has to be presented to law enforcement when they ask for it. If you don't do that, a non-criminal violation is what you'll get and a $25 fine. I know, non-criminal, I'm thinking, okay, big deal. So Sheriff Gutierrez pointed out two facets of the law that could create the most confusion and legal problems for gun owners, and these are actually quite interesting. So listen very closely when I say these. The first one is the age requirement. So here's how it goes. People younger than the age of 21, they still cannot legally carry a concealed firearm, whether they have a permit or not. So with or without a permit, if you're younger than 21, you can't do it. But people that are 18 and older they can transport a gun in a private vehicle as long as it is securely encased or it's otherwise not readily accessible for immediate use. Now, under the new law, people that are 21 years of age or over or otherwise legally eligible to carry a concealed firearm, they can do so in their vehicle without a weapon being in a secure place. But people between 18 and 20 that are not 21, they still must meet that requirement. So if your buddy's 22 years old, he's driving the car, he uh, has a gun in his waistband, but he does not have a permit, he's absolutely fine. He's 22. And if you're 19, though, and you're in the passenger side and you've got a gun in your waistband, you're going to go to jail for a felony. So in the other area where problems could arise, the sheriff, Gateri, and the other officials said that it's on private property. So the new law does not give gun owners the right to carry a so firearm on private property against the wishes of the property owner. So basically, um, if they tell you that you've got to leave, you have to leave. If you don't, it's trespass after warning, but it's armed trespass after warning. That'll really get you jammed up. So that's the lay of the land, guys. Uh, commentary from our panelists, guys. What do you guys think? I was I was actually not aware of some of these uh, new issues that Terry brought up, so I'm glad that we're covering this. David? Yeah, I don't think they're new issues. I just think they're highlighted issues now because of the not having to have a permit to carry. And by highlighting those issues, uh, what it, what because someone who applies for and gets a got a permit to carry in the past, those issues were, you, you were aware of them. Now, if you don't need a permit and you don't, by by law, you don't have to have any sort of a training or you don't have to go through a class or anything like that, those issues may not be known to you. So uh, we talked about this before, the, the, the changes, the reality of the changes are minimal as far as who can carry, who, where they can carry, how they can carry all that sort of stuff is pretty much staying the same. It's just a matter of understanding the law. And we, we harped on this when this law was passed before it went into effect is make yourself familiar with the law. There are going to be classes. I think Hillsborough County Sheriff's Office had um, a bunch of money that they earmarked to have free classes for people to educate them on the new law. Those classes were filled and sold or sold out, if you will, gone, done, and they, they filled them up almost immediately uh, from that. So, you know, kudos to the sheriff's offices around the area that are actively educating themselves, their deputies, their officers about the new law and as much as they can, the citizenry that they're going to be serving. It's, it's an important thing. Uh, you know, you, you heard a lot of people, oh, my God, Florida's going to be the Wild West. Yeah, bullcrap. That, that's all just um, hand-wringing and, and, and liberal nonsense. Uh, the, the laws 
but the requirements, as you said, have not changed. Uh, the same people are, are eligible. The same people are going to be ineligible to carry a firearm. And that's just the way it is. The criminals are not, don't care what the law that's is. Right. They don't. It, it doesn't matter to them. So th those things are still going to go on. And we see them on a regular basis in the news. Yeah. All right. Good breakdown, David. Thanks. Well, if there's nobody else on this, we'll get to some of the good stuff coming down. So, uh, so thanks, guys. Now, moving along, we've got our next one. There's an update involved in this. Now, look. I, I love Tony McBride. I love to talk about her. I love what she's doing in L.A. because she's like bucking the system. So lawofficer.com. So, yeah, LAPD, Los Angeles Police Department, an officer defies department orders to refrain from posting firearms on social media. Now, we've actually had her attorney on the show a couple times, uh, but, you know, we're at L on a, you know, in Los Angeles. So an officer with the Los Angeles Police Department is suing her bosses and she used her wedding day to respond to their orders, demanding that she refrain from posting pictures of weapons to social media. So I'm actually looking at a picture right now of her in a white wedding dress, long veil. She's holding like an AR-15 rifle, you know. So Officer Tony McBride has filed a sexual discrimination lawsuit against LAPD, her agency. She amended the complaint against Chief uh, Michael Moore and the department claiming that he blocked promotions for her after she refused to remove photos and videos containing firearms and shooting competitions, according to the Los Angeles Times. And she's a she's a huge um, a shooter. I mean, competitive shooter. I mean, it's a, if you watch some of her videos, oh my gosh, it's, it's so impressive uh, to watch. So McBride's Instagram account has more than 100,000 followers, and the account settings are private. She posted photos to the platform last Thursday, two days after the lawsuit was amended, of herself holding a tactical nine millimeter along with her husband, um, rebelling against the agency that she says discriminated against her based on her sex. Now McBride, competitive shooter, her pending civil action, she says um, her superior's request to remove the photos contrasted with the treatment her male colleagues received. So they're treating her differently because of her sex. She believes the lawsuit asserts that male LAPD counterparts posted similar uh, content frequently but they received no retaliation, according to Fox News. Furthermore, the lawsuit claims that Chief Moore threatened her job with an ultimatum that she either removes the photos and videos of her gun-related activity or she suffers termination. Wow. So the chief, well, let's see, she's uh, she's definitely uh, playing a chess match here. So Officer McBride was involved in a fatal shooting back April 22nd of 2020, so just over three years ago. Um, and... Uh, this bad guy advanced from her. He had a box cutter in his hand. It was a chaotic situation at the scene. Multiple vehicle, tra vehicle traffic collisions. There's pedestrians all over the place of people trying to get out of cars. It's just a mess. And Hernandez, uh, this is Daniel Hernandez. He's the guy that was shot and killed by her. He's he was 38 years old. The family filed a lawsuit, and they claimed in the suit that the shooting was unjustified. The case did not gain a lot of public attention until after the George Floyd situation, which happened le less than a month later. So a police use of force expert said that Officer McBride, Tony McBride's shooting against Hernandez was a clear and cut justified shoot. His name is Ed Obashi, and he's convinced after watching the video of the incident that there's no doubt that Officer McBride faced an immediate threat to her life. So completely, completely justified by his math. Guys, we're going to cover the rest of this. Get some commentary in a second. Commercial break. We'll be right back. You know, Motion DSP, they've been supporting the law enforcement profession for over 15 years for the robust suite of video and audio redaction and enhancement software. The Motion DSP software, it's easy to use, requires no specialized training or expertise, and you can save valuable time using Spotlight's one-click automating tracking feature and forensic suite of enhancement filters to achieve results quickly in just three steps, import, process, and export. 
Now, Spotlight is built specifically for redaction. It works with video from any camera source and using motion DSPs, algorithms, and object tracking technology. It, it sort of automates the process of blurring faces and other identifiable information, and it saves users countless hours compared to manual frame-by-frame -frame redaction. And forensic enhancement software that allows users to quickly process and analyze any video file format using super resolution algorithms and enhancement filters to reveal an unseen level of detail. And you can actually get forensically valid evidence with low quality video in just minutes instead of hours. So you can learn more about all these products and all their offerings by simply going to motiondsp.com. You'll be glad that you did. Okay, welcome back to the Leo Roundtable Law Enforcement Talk Show live from the Boss Hog Radio Studios on the 4th of July in Plant City, Florida. So we just left off talking about Officer Tony McBride uh, kind of bucking the system at the LAPD. Uh, comments, guys. Curious what you all think. David. Um, you know, I, I feel for her. She's She is the image that LAPD, for, for whatever reason, doesn't want to embrace. Now, um, a, a, an amazing person, I, this, this female officer, you know, is like, she should be the poster child. She should be the one that they're using on the recruitment posters. She, it's just amazing to me that that they are suppressing or trying to. I don't know what they're trying to do. Well, I I kind of do. You, you you have her a skilled officer, a skilled shooter gets into a shooting. She puts down some scumbag that needed putting down. Let's just say it like it is. Um, she does a good job. They don't like that image, and now. On her, on the personal side of, of her life, on her Instagram, she's a competitive shooter. She 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 posts these things on her Facebook, Instagram, whatever it is. They don't like that connection. They don't like that image of this person. In this case, a female, whatever, male or female, doesn't really matter. They don't like the image of this this individual that got into a shooting at at work on their on their dime on their hour. Now in their personal life, then glorifying the the competitive shooting that skill that she has and they're conflating those two things and then now i'm saying well the competitive shooting thing is bad we don't like that image anymore i, I mean this is just and we'll get to the video because you said we would the the infection that is occurring in california in in the mindset of police departments and and the like out there about what is right what is wrong the things that you should be focusing on versus the things that are not worth your time. It's amazing. Um, again, my opinion, she should take her talents elsewhere other than LAPD is my opinion. Um, but for what, whatever that's worth, good luck to her. But she's she's facing a, a hard road, regardless of whether she wins her suits, gets a check, whatever you want to call it. She's facing a hard road now at, at that agency because she's got a target on her back. Sorry for the, the pun, but from, from that agency. Thanks. All right, Andrea. Well, I mean, first of all, you know, and I went back and I watched, I remember, I remember when we originally talked about it and it was an impressive video. And then you watch just the portion of just her shooting. You know, it's almost like they're intimidated by somebody doing their job and doing their job well, especially because, and I'm going to throw it out there, especially because it was a female, she had a good shot. She's probably outshined several, you know, several people in several competitions. So I would just have to think that a lot of it's jealousy. She's she's very pretty. Um, you know, she's good at what she does. And why are we intimidated by that? You know, kudos to her. She shouldn't have to go anywhere else. I, I understand what Dave's saying, but that's the unfortunate thing. I can I could give you, you know, several stories in my own, you know, past 
that I felt like I could not do my job. I know I'm not going to, but where I felt like I could not do my job, you know, to the best of my ability without either. And we've talked about it before without either being put up here because of, you know, being a female or, you know, I think it just changes with who you are. She should be treated equally. If the men can do it, she should be able to do it. You know, again, even that playing field, um, I just think that they're just intimidated. I think that, to be honest with you, she probably didn't, um, I'll just say, she probably didn't hook up with the right people. So, you know, I think that they're making her pay for it. And I think it's unfortunate. I think that the pictures are kind of cool. I think it's cool with her and her husband. I think that those are, you know, great things that if they have kids, they'll be able to show them that, you know, one day. Um, I just, I think that it's really unfortunate. I think that if she wasn't pretty and if she wasn't seen as this, you know, this sex symbol, I think that she probably would be a different story. But Unfortunately, I I think that they're just going to continue to do this to her until she does leave. And I noticed, Andrea, you said she probably did not hook up with the right people. <laughs> you might actually be correct on that, but no, she's a she's a great girl, and uh, I don't think that she did. And no, uh, I and don't she's think so. you know, and she's just not that kind of a girl. And and oh my gosh, she is so impressive. And and David, you're absolutely right. She should be the poster child for that agency. That agency is is just just messing up big time. In fact, I really, you really have to question an agency that's not even taking talent like that and using it to their advantage. And, uh, and when she's doing these competitive shoots, she's not in uniform. She just likes to shoot. You know, it's no, it's not a, uh, it's not a, a, a bad look on the agency at all. And that shooting that she was involved with, which Andrea, that's what Andrea was talking about that we covered on the show. She shot the bad guy six times. Now there were some, some people you know, like Ward, I remember attorney Ward had an issue with shots five and six, but let me tell you, she fired six times. I guess how many times she hit the bad guy six times. And, and it was, it was a beautiful shoot. It, you know, and of course it's been, it's been cleared by, you know, a lethal force experts. So, uh, she's an, she's got an incredible talent, but um, not even, and, not even was it a good shot. You hear her radio transmission. I mean, she's communicating with the other officer there. She did a very good job. The other officer there was frantic, but yeah. she handled herself well. Oh, you know, she was stay very in your poised. Car, move yeah. out of the way. Yeah. Yeah. She was I very agree. poised. So, I mean, again, you know, like Dave said, yeah. she should be the poster child. That's how you want to handle a situation. You know, I don't understand why they're, they're all Ag up in arms. Yeah. Agencies today, for whatever reason, especially the ones in, in cities that we should have a list of are afraid to celebrate a cop doing their job well. And, and that's exactly what she did. And, and then when when she when she shoots competitively on top of that, um, they just they they can't do it. They're just so afraid to celebrate her as being this good cop that she did a good job. And you, well, oh no, we can't say that. We can't say she did a good job. And now she's shooting a gun over here on social media. And, oh, it's, oh my God, it's it's an infection. We'll get to more of that later. And you look at some of the you know pictures that they do have. She's wearing a ponytail. She's wearing a t-shirt. She's you know she's very normal. But, you know, God forbid, you're normal. I don't know. Gosh. All right. Sorry about that, guys. I think right. Jimmy fell asleep and his, and his hand or nose slid across the dial and hit the volume button. But anyhow, um, you know, her dad's a pretty bad dude, too. He used to work with the agency. I think he used to work with the police union. And, uh, you know, I know that you know she's connected with that. But anyhow, look, time for our second commercial break. More to come. We'll be right back. All right, guys, it's time to talk about Gauls at Gauls.com slash Leo. I mean, you know of Gauls, right? The country's leading uniform clothing equipment and gear provider for law enforcement. They have a variety of offerings, everything from multi-tools and flashlights to duty belts and tactical gear. I mean, as Captain uh, Brett Bartlett always says, Gauls pretty much has everything for law enforcement except for 
guns and ammo. And we got that problem solved for you uh, in just a second. But look, at Gauls, their uniform program, you know, I know that we talk about that a lot, but their uniform program is really second to none. Even uh, our former agency and the three of the people on the panel used to work for the Tampa Police Department. And I remember going through two uniform companies, and now they have a Gauls office right in the second floor lobby of the Tampa Police Department. And from what I understand, they're absolutely killing it. So if you're a command staff level person, a chief or a sheriff, and you you really want a great uniform program, try goals at goals.com slash Leo. Uh, give them a chance. Uh, you won't you won't be embarrassed and you'll be glad that you uh, you'll be glad that you did. So check that out. And guys, hey, also new sponsor, Global Ordnance. So get ready for a coupon code from Global Ordnance for your ultimate destination for ammo. Globalordnance.com provides high quality ammunition for all of your shooting needs, ensuring precision, reliability and unmatched performance. Now, for a limited time, you know they're offering free shipping on all ammo orders over $200 with their exclusive coupon code, Leo Roundtable. Visit globalorbits.com today. Explore the wide selection of ammo and use coupon code, Leo Roundtable, for free shipping on your order. Check it out. Let's talk about Medicare insurance options. There's over 80 options in just Hillsborough County alone. Now, the benefits can change annually. So how do you know that you're getting the benefits for your specific health care needs? The answer is simple. Contact MyMedicare.Live or call area code 813-245-6656, especially if you're in the Tampa Bay area. Talk to James or Bobby. Meet with them in person. They'll save you money on your medication co-pays. Find plans that your doctors accept and get more of the benefits that you qualify for. So again, MyMedicare.Live. All right. Welcome. Welcome back to the Leo Roundtable Law Enforcement Talk Show. We're still live at the Boss Hog Radio Studios. Yes, it is the 4th of July. Look at Andrea. She got the flag behind her. She got that fancy hat. Show that hat off. I think you turn it sparkles. Yeah, look at that. David, I tell you, she's holding out. She's probably got a couple extra ones laying around. Next time we have the get-together, we need to, like, you know, I'll tell you, we'll trade bang hats for the USA I hats. I don't bedazzle anything, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I could tell you a story too. I could tell our fans a story too about David and and Bazazzle, but yeah, I won't do that. Yeah, even producer Jimmy wants to hear that story. One of those stories. No, (laughs) maybe I take that back. He does not want to hear that story. So, look, have we have we exhausted the last topics? Do we? Are you guys ready to move on to uh, to Rumble and San Francisco lawyer? I think this is the one that David's been waiting for. Okay, so Rumble.com. I think it's the best law enforcement video channel out there. And look for the audio listeners that are on, you know, podcast or on radio. We'll describe in great detail what's going on, so you don't feel like you're missing out on anything. And look, a lot of news stories today have video components, anyhow, and this one certainly does. So, a body cam shows a San Francisco lawyer fatally shot by a police officer after he kills his mother, and to make it even worse, the family dog. Hey, sir, come here. Come here, what, what's going on? Does he have a weapon? He has a walking stick. Where is it at? Where are they at? Uh, I don't come over here. Come in, come in, come in. I have the RP outside, he has a bleeding from the face. Where are they? Come in. Come over here, where are they? Where are they? Huh? The George has the RP outside. Police! Who's up there? Sir, stay down there. Hey, please, let me see your hands. Hey, let me see your hands. Come on. Let me see your hands. Come on. George, four, we're called three. I have blood in the hallway. I'm upstairs. Uh, make contact with the subject. Yeah. Sir, get down. George, four, we're going to Hey, put the knife down. Put the knife down. Hey, bring ERW. You have to, uh, you have to play too. Hey, get down, get down. Oh, you're right in the flame, you little bitch. I'll shoot you, dude. Hey, get back. Hey, 
So a San Francisco lawyer allegedly killed his mother and her innocent pooch on Thursday before authorities fatally shot him when he charged at them with a knife. So Mark Child, 37 years old, allegedly killed the 76-year-old woman, his mother, and the dog inside his parents' home around 2.30 in the morning, and this happened on Thursday. And the story does not get any better from there. So he uh, was then shot after charging towards responding San Francisco police officers and his 84-year-old father near the front of the home. He's taken to the hospital, pronounced dead. Now, the child's elderly father uh, woke up early Thursday to find his troubled son walking around in the in the home. Child. I don't know if I should use the word child, but, but whatever. So when he was told to go back to bed, <laughs> child, allege, child allegedly attacked his loved one. So, yeah, um, uh, no pun on the name. Officers found the mother and the dog dead when they entered the house. The father was, they have here the father was injured. I think they meant to say the father was uninjured in this in this whole debacle that went down so that's what we have i know david's been waiting to talk about this so david you want to start us off on this one yes um wow now the response from the officers to the to the scene and the actions they took were were relatively relatively good um the officer gets there the, the first officer r- arrives um he knows what's going on he's gotten it from the dispatch uh he finds the father at the front door uh, the the father, an elderly man, is obviously his his mind is melted. He he's pretty much a useless individual at this point. He cannot he cannot wrap his head around what has happened in his house within his own family, and he's just kind of the the officer. You know, is trying to get information from him. Uh, dr- pulls him out of the way. the The bad guy they the bad guy starts coming out with a knife. Uh, there's an interaction. I mean, the, the officer is literally, literally having to push the old man out of the way and shoot the bad guy at the same time, puts the bad guy down at, in the doorway at the front of the residence. Nicely done. Um, other, officers, other officers are responding. They get there. Now, now is where the infection uh, comes to a head. They spent, according to the the chronology of this call, they spent um, over 15 minutes, no, longer than that, providing medical care to this worthless piece of crap laying on the ground. This attorney, a, a, a licensed attorney in San Francisco, go figure that one out. They spent, I don't know how many, how, I, I'm not even going to say how much time, but they spent way too much time hovered over this piece of crap on the front doorstep giving him medical aid and gave no thought whatsoever to the woman, let alone the dog. I would have rather them taken care of the dog than this piece of garbage inside the house that had been stabbed by this guy. They are infected there now with the idea that the, that the bad guy matters more than the victims in this case. And they knew that, that a woman had been stabbed inside the house by this guy had been attacked was injured, was dying inside the house. And yet they were so focused, their minds are so infected with this, oh, we've, we, we have to take care of the bad guy. Instead of going to the, and taking care of the victims first, screw that puddle of, of, of cow pus around. Screw him, move on, go to the victims, go to the people that matter. And all the while the woman is upstairs, either 
probably already dead, but maybe not. Maybe just bleeding out on the bathroom floor as they tend to this piece of crap. And, and, and this is the same mindset that Tony McBride is dealing with at LAPD. This, we can't insult the bad people. Oh, we, they're just, we can't, we can't celebrate the, we can't celebrate and care for the victims and the cops that are fighting this, this, this garbage. We have to tend to them. And that was the moment that they lost me again. Not that San Francisco ever had a chance of being saved, but that's when when the the, the whole Sodom and Gomorrah thing image just came to my mind um, of of the, nece the necessity of San Francisco being. I mean, what what an absolute crap hole that place is when the cops now are so infected with this idea that that bad guys matter more than victims, and that's all it was. Finally. Finally, one of them kind of went, um, uh, shouldn't we check the rest of the house? Uh, shouldn't we check the rest of the house? And he must have said it two or three times before a couple of them finally got together and said, yeah, I guess we better go. Too late now, guys. Too late now. If she was alive, she bled out while you were tending to that piece of crap on the floor at the doorway. Disgusting. Enlightening. Thanks, David. You know, Andrew, the only thing that would, uh, bring a smile on my face with a story like this is, is hearing David's wife telling him that she's made a decision that they're moving to San Francisco. <laughs> that, would that not be priceless? Oh, I'd love to be there for that conversation. Oh, I, I, I think he, no he did a great job of no conversation. What conversation? <laughs> just well, well, bye. <laughs> I could just see. Yeah. That's about how that would go. I, I think that, uh, Dave, you did a good job. I mean, a lot of the stuff I was thinking that I probably wouldn't have said, you happen to say, I thought that was, um, I did think, I thought that if you just would have stopped the video <laughs> after the, after they put the bad guy down, you know, it would have been a whole different, you know, whole different thing. I mean, I thought they did a really good job up until then. And then I was like, everybody's talking, they're all yelling, they're, you know, they're talking over each other. There was, it was mass confusion. I'm like, they did a good job with the initial shoot. Um, and I bet that I think that what they said was so I think what the um, father I think he was injured I think that the son tried to hit him with the stick so he probably was injured he seemed very disoriented um, so I think probably in addition to the fact that you know he probably is elderly I think he did try and hit him with the stick if you listen to the nine one one call I think that's what they had they had kind of okay. said so um, that's probably what they were dealing with. But I think they just get tunnel vision. I mean, that just goes to show they got completely tunnel vision. Um, she wasn't a thought at that point. They thought that they have bad guy contained, so therefore things are done. No, I mean, that that whole scene was not contained. You know, they had no idea what all was going on. All they did was literally take the fact that they had one bad guy with a knife. They put him down. You don't know what else you have. I mean, yeah. how many times do we sit there and say, you have to secure the scene? And they just didn't do that. Do that. They failed to do that. So... Uh, but I did think that the shooting and, you know, I mean, dad coming up the stairs, you know, that officer didn't get tunnel vision. He knew he was coming up, you know, granted, you know, the guy came at him. The guy kept coming at him at the, with the knife down the stairs being like, oh, you coward. You know, you guys are you guys are backing up. But, you know, dad came up the stairs right behind him on the stairs and, you know, he got him safely out of the way. And, you know, he, he neutralized the threat. That part was great. Phenomenal, phenomenal first half, second half, not so much. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, the cop that was at the top of the stairs should have should have capped him right there on the spot, with the thought in mind that there is someone else in the house that needs my help, another victim in the house that's been stabbed and attacked. But yet I'm going to retreat and leave that victim behind. 
you infected worthless pieces of garbage in San Francisco. I cannot stress enough how poorly you acted in relation to the victims in this case. And and then to to stand there in the doorway and go, wait, 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 everybody wait, everybody, we need a shield, we need this, we need that. No, we don't. We walk forward. We move forward. And if, and if that guy squirms on the ground one more time, I'll put three more into the back of his head and keep moving. That's how you deal with those situations. You worthless cowards. Wow. I mean, we talk about, you know, we can we can rant and rave about the idiot in, in at Parkland, the cop that did nothing in Parkland. And but hello, this this is the same thing on a smaller scale. The failure to act, the failure to take the victims into account, the failure to, to consider the people that matter in these circumstances angers me, frustrates me to no end when when I see cops in these places act like this. It's just maddening when they do this sort of thing with no no thought whatsoever to for the victim. None. Yeah, well, not getting I any do, better. I do think that he should have taken him down right there, but I do think that that officer was alarmed by the dad coming up because the dad was coming. He was following him up those stairs. But I, I mean, the biggest thing is they're arguing over what's up with the knife. He dropped the knife. He dropped the knife. You know, they kept arguing about it. It doesn't matter. The knife is still right there. Take him, you know, take him down. All right, guys, we have a canine story coming up. It's a canine bite story. It's pretty good, actually. So stick around. More on that. Commercial break. We'll be right back. All right, look, no matter how much you know about guns and ammunition, there's that knowledge gap that leaves you confused and missing the complete picture. GunLearn.com, they've taken the confusion out of learning and they've made it easy. GunLearn.com is the first and it's the only company that offers a step-by-step program that takes you from your present knowledge level, become a safe, accurate, and competent certified firearm specialist like our Captain Brett Bartlett. Now, they provide citations from federal law and ATF rulings for every point taught to ensure accuracy in their training. It's approved by major forensic organizations, by law enforcement agencies, and firearm manufacturers. Since 1996, they've tried everything that LEOs, that's law enforcement officers, need to know about firearms and ammunition to all facets of law enforcement. You can start the day with online training, or you can register to attend a live seminar, and you can actually get free training for yourself and all the personnel of your agency by hosting a seminar at absolutely no cost. So come aboard as one of the most firearm knowledgeable people in the world by joining the folks at gunlearn.com. You'll be glad that you did. All right, guys, welcome back to the Leo Roundtable Law Enforcement Talk Show. And yes, it is the 4th of July, and we're live from the Boss Hog Radio Studios in Plant City, Florida. You know, at rumble.com, the best law enforcement video channel out there, this is butter. So Canine Carrier makes his first apprehension of a car thief suspect who fled from Marion County deputies.
So the man was arrested after leading deputies on a car chase and a stolen vehicle happened last week, according to the Marion County Sheriff's Office in Florida. So deputies said that they responded to the report of a gray Nissan Sentra. It was stolen from a car wash, happened around 11 o'clock in the morning on June the 23rd. So shortly afterwards, a guy identified as 57-year-old Mahed Hack. Uh, he's seen by a Bellevue Police Department officer driving the stolen car. So a video shows the officer along with the Marion County deputies. He follows this guy named Hack, our bad guy. He's failing to comply and pull over for a traffic stop. So after stopping at a set of a railroad tracks, our bad guy, he abandons the vehicle. He attempts to evade police on foot. <laughs> a dumb idea with a canine, right? But he's quickly apprehended by MCSO canine unit. And yes, he was screaming. So deputies said that Hack was found with drug paraphernalia in his pockets along with a backpack containing marijuana and methamphetamine. Uh, so, yeah, this guy is a, in a world of hurt, uh, literally, after the dog bite. But, uh, hey, you, you know, you uh, you know, you know, want it, you want to play, you got to pay. So uh, any commentary in the video? I mean, look, it's been a while since we had a good canine bite video. And the screaming all, always kind of, you know, makes it more enjoyable for me to watch personally. I don't know if I can speak for everybody here. But for me, yes, that's what I'm looking for. Andrea. This one made me chuckle. It was funny to listen. <laughs> and he, he was begging to get him off of him. Um, first of all, that chase, I don't know. That wouldn't have happened in Tampa. They would have called that off so fast. That was impressive. It was some impressive oh, yeah? driving there. I was like sitting there. I'm like, then, yeah, no. But um, but I love the dog bite. I thought that was great. I Actually, I thought that this was one of the better uh, dog bite videos that we've seen. That was, it was good. Yeah, I mean, you got some of these other agencies. They're either getting rid of canine units like in California, you know, or they're sending... The, the canine's in for a no-win scenario against some dude with a gun or a knife, you know, and, and and they view him as expendable meat, you know, which just drives me. And I know, look, I mean, look, I'm a, I'm an animal lover, but David most certainly is an animal lover. I mean, it, it kills him, and he's just coming off the high off that last one. I mean, if his blood pressure goes up any higher on another story, I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, it's almost it's not as bad as having Brett though, because he literally has heart issues. So, so David, you probably have a longer longevity than than uh, than the captain, but still. You know, but but you're not a captain, so you actually have a heart. So, but go ahead. Exactly. You know, uh, you could see uh, rookie canine uh, had had to get a little extra direction from his handler to uh, to make the the hit. Um, the guy had gotten tangled up, and it's kind of stopped running in the in the bushes. So it, it all went down well for the canine. Hopefully, he he uh, he took the got the experience and and is is uh, going to go on to be a um, a successful unit there within Marion County Sheriff's Office. So good luck to him. Sweet, sweet. Got to love it. All right, guys, uh, moving along here. Let's see. We got about six and a half minutes left. So another update here, lawofficer.com. Police officer charged after she reportedly sent herself menacing text messages, but she was blaming other colleagues saying that they were the ones actually doing it. So uh, I guess uh, Ozening, uh, New York, uh, police officer in the state of New York was arrested after she reportedly sent herself menacing text messages. Blames it on the colleagues, according to the Westchester District Attorney's Office. So Officer Emily Hersowitz, uh, with this agency, complained for months about receiving alarming text messages from her colleagues. She was taken into custody because investigators alleged, I can't say that it happened because it allegedly happened, she's been the one sending them all along. So last Wednesday, she's charged with three counts of first degree following a false instrument, which is a felony, by the way. Four counts of third-degree felony, false reporting of an incident, according to the Westchester Journal News. So, wow. Uh, I don't know if there's any surprises, but we see these every once in a while. You know, some cop driving down the road shoots him, you know, shoots himself and wants the sympathy or whatever and says it was some shot from some sniper or something, and now we got this female texting herself. Just crazy stuff. 
Um, if there's commentary, great. If there's not, I got plenty more to get to, including another San Francisco story. But I think it's the bomb unit. Yeah, I can't wait to cover that one. That that you know, it, it's not it's not too far from home. But uh, look, this one right here, we're back at Rumble. This is Butter, our favorite channel. Dashcam video shows officers hit and flip a truck going the wrong way uh, in a chase in Jefferson County. So, yeah, wrong way chase down Interstate 40 and Interstate 81 leads to a couple of close calls. <laughs> That's another story. I'll let David cover those. Uh, and the suspect's vehicle comes flipping to it. It says that it comes to a flipping halt. Get it? Flipping halt. Uh, so the Jefferson County Sheriff's Office released dash cam camera video of the multi-department chase on Monday. So according to the deputies, Jefferson County dispatchers, they're alerted around 630 in the afternoon on Sunday. The deputies from Knox and Sevier counties, they're chasing a stolen Ford F-250 and speeding down I-40. An F-250, that's a, actually a pretty nice truck. So uh, deputies used spike strips at two different locations, uh, but they were unsuccessful. The suspect exits I-40, gets on the I-81. So now White Pine, White Pine Police Department gets involved. They use spike strips at exit four, and they deflate one of the front uh, tires on the truck. The truck continues driving, though. So now the deputies with the Hamlin County Sheriff's Office, they try to stop the truck with a rolling roadblock. Uh, the driver turns around. And he begins going back toward I-81. He crosses the meeting, traveling into the oncoming lane. A deputy actually tries to take him out and misses. Uh, so JCSO Sergeant Ransom Douglas tries to stop the truck by ramming it. He's the one that misses, and he, he crashes off into the weeds somewhere. That was pretty uh, pretty comical. And uh, hits an embankment. So the suspect drives into the southbound ramp towards oncoming traffic. Lieutenant Tim Herzog hits the side of his truck with a patrol car. The truck swerves off the road, starts flipping several times. He ends the pursuit, thank God. And the sus I guess the GSO identified the driver as Scotty Allen Barnes, 59 years old. He had injuries in the crash. He's in stable condition. And uh, he was wanted for multiple East Tennessee County uh, outstanding warrants and charges related to the chase. Whew. We're done with that one. Commentary, guys, anybody? We got three and a half minutes. David. Pretty, I mean, honestly, pretty, pretty standard. I, you know, the, uh, I think these days I, I got to throw props out. <laughs> the Arkansas State Police kind of set the bar for for pursuits and pits, and, and I mean it's just they're just brutal out there. Um, but yeah, I mean, listen, they, you make the decision as an agency um, and as an officer, or trooper, whatever. You make the decision that this vehicle has to be stopped. It must. We must end this, and so you start doing things to facilitate that, and. With vehicles, you know, you're four, five, six thousand pounds going down the road at, at various speeds, some high, some low. <clears throat> that's a lot of that's a lot of danger that you're dealing with. And and so the chances that you take uh, for the for the end result is is a balancing act. Um, spike strips, pits, ramming, rolling road blocks, you name it. They're, they're all chances that you take um, with moving vehicles that you or somebody else has the potential to get pretty seriously injured. But those are the dangers and those are the decisions that law enforcement has to make on a regular basis, unfortunately. Um, so when you see stuff like this, it's, it's, it's a, it's a decision. Somebody, a, a supervisor somewhere coming down from above has said, we're going to stop this vehicle guys, ladies and gentlemen, stop that vehicle. And you go, well, all right, here we go. 
and and that this these are the things that happen. People take start taking shots at it. You start trying to ram it, whatever. But they got it done. So kudos to them. And the only the only guy the only person that got hurt that we know of was the was the bad guy. So even better. But how about the deputy that cut through the meeting and he, and he just yeah. missed him? How about he, that, he, one? that? That was that was the shot. That that was the angle. Missed him by that much. Just that much. <laughs> oh, that'll be a story. Yeah. So hey, look. So we got a minute and nineteen seconds left. So we got two LAPD stories. I mean, it's amazing. LAPD. You know, Tony McBride started us off with LAPD, but so we're not going to cover the the LAPD one where they shoot the guy with like the uh, the weed eater or whatever that was the edger. But let's do policetribune.com LAPD bomb squad. Uh, they get disciplined for flawed illegal fireworks detonation in a neighborhood. They basically blow up a neighborhood. It's 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 wild. There's a video. Uh, four members of the LAPD bomb squad disciplined for the roles in the flawed detonation of confiscated illegal fireworks in a residential neighborhood. It left 17 people wounded and 22 homes damaged. The explosion occurred on June the 30th, 2021. LAPD bomb squad was attempting to do a controlled explosion of illegal fireworks inside a bomb disposal unit. And you know what? Without getting too involved, they misjudged the type of uh, explosives they had and the amount. They blew everything to smithereens. Commentary, guys, 26 seconds. You know, the, 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 if you're familiar with a bomb disposal unit, it's a big, heavy-duty enclosure <laughs> that they put the stuff in and set it off. It's, you know, contained. And they misjudged it something fierce. I mean, wow. Oops. It, it rocked that neighborhood, that's for sure. I mean, there was stuff still falling out of the sky, I'm sure. It was crazy. But And why they didn't take it somewhere else to do it, that's another question. Yeah, but hey, then we wouldn't have a great story, though, you know? So, you know, I'm, sometimes I'm glad for LAPD. But look, guys, hey, at least it's not San Francisco. That's what they're telling themselves. At least we're not San Francisco. So, but look, uh, hey, we're out of time. I, I take this time to usually talk about Lieutenant Randy Sutton from Las Vegas Metro Police Department. You know, he started a 501c3 called The Wounded Blue at thewoundedblue.org. They help cops out there in a world of hurt, suffering from PTSD, medical issues. Their agencies aren't covering them on or maybe not even being offered medical disability retirement uh, pensions. So uh, The Wounded Blue at thewoundedblue.org. It's a fantastic organization that uh, that I believe you should consider uh, supporting, and especially maybe you want to volunteer for PTSD and help cops out that are in that world of hurt. So consider them. Also, a shout out to our sponsors again, Motion DSP, GullsGunLearn.com, uh, GlobalOrdinance.com. Don't forget about that coupon code, MyMedicare.Live, Bang Energy. Thanks for the fuel. Ray Dietrich, Red Voice Media. Thanks, guys. Hope everybody has a wonderful and a safe 4th of July.